welcome to another episode of the Rental Journal Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the equipment rental industry. I'm your host, Mark Simonson, and earlier this week, it was International Women's Day. So as a surprise, we're going to be releasing six podcasts in six days, all women. Today on the podcast, we have Kate Everett. Kate has over 20 years experience in the rental industry, working at companies such as Brambles, National Fleet, and Baseplan Software. Today, Kate is the Director of Customer Success at Baseplan Software, a software that's been providing solutions to the equipment rental industry for the past 33 years. Kate, thank you for coming on the podcast. To kick things off, can you talk to me about how you got into the equipment rental industry? I started when I was at primary and high school where I'd work during school holidays at Mebum Equipment, doing filing, tearing apart reports that were printed on a dot matrix printer. Um, and I think that that shows both my age and perhaps points to a future in the computing industry. Okay. And so what was the dynamic of the business? Were they doing forklifts or access? Like what was the actual so, business operation? So it was a materials handling forklift company. It was a privately owned company run by um, three directors. And it was, it was kind of like a family. You know, I remember not only working there, but going to, to picnics and end of year functions. And, you know, everyone was part of the family. The technicians were part of the family and, and no one was better than anyone else. Everyone was treated really well um, and really fairly in the organisation. And was that something that sort of attracted you to stay in the industry as well? Yeah, I think so. I, I think the fact that people were treated with respect and people were seen that they added value and contributed regardless of what position they held in the company. Okay. And so what other companies did you work at over your time? So Mebound Equipment was sold to, to Brambles um, and became Brambles Equipment. And I continued to work there during school holidays in the admin area and in the accounts area, helping out with you know bank reconciliations end of month, processing journals and all those sorts of things. At the time, I was studying at uni and I was doing a double degree. I was doing an accounting and computing degree. And I was then offered a full-time role, Brambles, in the accounts department. And at that point, I had to decide whether I took the role or whether I continued um, at uni. And I decided to, to work because I felt that it would actually give me real-world experience and that actually give me different skills and knowledge that I couldn't otherwise get out of a textbook. How long were you in that accounts department? Did you do different roles as well? Like what were some of your roles at Brambles then? So at Brambles, I worked in the accounts department. I also worked in the service area. So I moved across to the service department and was involved in processing service jobs, timesheets, helping with allocating technicians, doing, doing various other roles in there. And then also at Brambles, I became involved in the uh, implementation of Baseplan when they were coming off their system called FleetSmart. And they were implementing baseline software. Okay. And so was that something that interested you or did someone offer you an opportunity to get involved in the change management side or how did that evolve? So I think the fact that I was studying computing and accounting previously, so I had an interest in systems and I had an interest in process. And so I think that there was an opportunity to help out during the implementation and doing things like um, reviewing data, doing reconciliations, putting documented documentation together, um, all those sorts of things. And it was just another opportunity to learn. I think one of the things that I always want to do is I want to learn and just find new things that interest me, I guess. Mm, okay. And so how long were you involved in that change management implementation 
more computer side at Brambles? So it was only really during the implementation of base plan um, in the Victorian branch. So I wasn't part of the core project team that traveled around, but I was involved in the, in the implementation of the Victorian branch. And then from there, I went back into a role um, in the service department at Brambles. And then they were sold. I've been in lots of businesses that have been sold, actually. I think there's four or five sales that I've been in. So then uh, Brambles was sold to, to NACO and it became National Fleet. And there I was in the service department and then moved into an account management role. Okay, so you've really, you've done the account side, the service side, and also the account management side as well. I've been able to get an end-to-end understanding of a rental business or a fleet management business. And actually, like you say, so see from, you know, an account side, see the service side and the account management side, which also gave me a really good perspective in regards to the customers and what the customers in the industry need and what's important to them. And so if you were to reflect back, like which area do you think gave you the most interest in a a natural rental business? I think being an account manager. So being able to go out to customer sites, seeing what they do and seeing such a wide range of customers. So initially I was an account manager for Victorian accounts like Kraft, Mars, Nilex. So when you think of the different industries that they're in, like I was able to see how lollies are made. I was able to see how Vegemite was made, you know, and, and go through all of these businesses and actually see the other side. Then I moved into a, a national role where I was the account manager for warehousing and distribution. So I managed accounts like p Cold Stores, um, Toll and various other um, distribution and warehousing companies and to see like some of the automation um, in some of these businesses and the way things travel through their warehouses to see people working in you know minus 18 degrees in freezer stores and things like that just and then you know some not so nice side of things you know going to meet processing plants and just seeing how different industries do different things and I think to seeing that how things we use or consume every day how much effort actually goes into that? Like we just take for granted, you open the cupboard and there's your Vegemite, but you don't actually understand the process of it getting to you. And I think that was really um, interesting. Mm, okay. And so, so what do you do today? Today, I am the Director of Customer Success at Base Plan Software. Um, so I'm in charge of the support teams, the account management team and the technical support and deployment team. So my teams are the the front line for all customer inquiries into the business. So if something's not working or if they've got questions, they come in through my team. And then the account managers obviously um, are in charge of various accounts throughout the organization. So I heard a link here. So you said you're helping implement Baseplan and now you work at Baseplan. So how did that sort of transition happen? Having been involved in the implementation of Baseplan at a customer, I was able to see the benefits from a customer perspective that happened. So the insight into their data, the the improvement in process, the ease of getting information out and all those sorts of things and knew how much value it could add to an organisation. So I'd always said to the the base plan team, look, if there's ever a role, let me know. You know, um, I can do support, I can do implementations, just just yell out and let me know. And, And I think I was just always interested in the, in the computer side of things. I mean, I did start a a computing degree, um, so it's always been an interest. Um, And I think continual improvement and processes is probably something that has always been important as well. 
having been on that customer side implementing base plan and then working at base plan, like what advice would you give to somebody that is thinking about implementing a new ERP? So I think there's two key things. One's change management and the other one would be planning. And I think too often we underestimate both. So I think the implementation of Brambles took years. It was not a six-month implementation. And I know the effort that was put in by the core team there in terms of data cleansing, reviewing the data, ensuring it was correct, the number of mock go-lives they did, the amount of time they took balancing things before they were actually ready to proceed. So all of that planning is, is really important. I think there's a saying that goes, you know, junk in, junk out. If you don't get the data right to start off with, you don't get the information right, you know, it doesn't matter what system you put it in, you're still going to get the same sort of results. And the other thing is change management. Change management, I guess, is twofold. So when you're implementing a new system, part of it is to change and improve process. So you've got change management around your existing processes, but then you've also got to manage people in regards to change management. And people are creatures of habit. They don't really like change. So I think often that's the hardest part of any implementation is the, the change management. And I think it's important to get buy-in from your teams because then they, I think when you involve people, they own things more and they're able to, to see and understand what you're trying to achieve. And so going back those 20 years as well, like how many other females were sort of in your team? Uh, and I guess what were some of the challenges that you might think you would have went through in, the, in those early days? I think some of the challenges were that it, it is a very male-dominated industry. And I think there's not often lots of female leaders. So there might be females in, within some organisations, but they're not often seen as leaders in, in the industry. Uh, the challenges were that you kind of continually underestimated, which you could also say is kind of a benefit because you're able to, you're able to prove people wrong and you're able to actually just stay in your lane a bit um, and then and then show people what you're made of. But I, but I think being underestimated and also being in a room of people, and predominantly men, and having them assume that you don't know anything in regards to like technical aspects or, you know, um, talking about specific, you know, equipment, configuration and things like that. You know, I can have a discussion with someone and say what sort of truck they need for a certain environment and they'll turn around like, well, how do you know that? I'm like, well, I've been in the industry for a little while. <laughs> like, you kind of absorb these things. Did you ever get to a point where you were questioning or were you always like pushing back and saying, no, I, I want to be in this industry. I, I, I love this sort of environment. I, I, I want to be part of it because it's something I've heard a few times where I had an example earlier this week where people were calling up and saying, can you put me through to a man? And, and that person was basically saying, oh, sorry, they're all busy. And she was persisting to, to say, no, I want to like get the recognition from our customer. This is 20 years ago as well. Like, did you ever sort of go through any of those challenges where you, where you sort of were questioning and then obviously you've come out on the other side as well? Yeah, look, I think there were certainly some customers where I knew they didn't take me seriously. And I think it was in those situations that I went above and beyond to prove myself. And I made sure that that customer had everything that they needed. I made sure that I understood their requirements. I made sure that I was kind of second guessing and, on, and in front of things for them. So I think rather than getting frustrated, 
by it. I think what I did is I allowed it to to push me and I actually took it the other way and went, okay, well, I'm going to to prove that I actually do know what I'm talking about. And sometimes, you know, it's also about showing people up like, you know, all right, if if you are going to underestimate me, you're going to come out the fool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's, it's like a really good mentality to have because you can use that in other areas in your life as well. It doesn't have to just be in rental. Like it can be anything. No, and and I think it. I think it's important for everyone to do that. Regardless, you're right. Regardless of, of which, which industry you're in, whether you're male, whether you're female, I think females have historically had it much worse, and they they often feel the need that they have to prove themselves. But I think it, it it's something that you can apply to anything. And so. What advice would you then give to maybe some young women that are joining a male-dominated industry, whether it be rental or anything that might be male-dominated? Like coming into it, like what was what would be the first thing that you would tell them? So, look, I think to be confident and to back themselves. I think often females, as when they're being confident, are either seen as being aggressive or bitchy, whereas confident males are seen as leaders. And, and I think we need to, as females, not wear that title. You know, we need to not dull our confidence just because there's a perception out there that confident females who speak their mind are aggressive. And, and look, that's not always the case, but it's often the case. And it's not, not necessarily a rental industry thing. I think it's, you know, more broader than that. And then I think the other thing is to that, to tell them that they're allowed to take up space. So historically females have always had to fight to take up space regardless of whether it's in homes or in business you know in a boardroom you've always females have always had to fight if you look at at, at, like today if you look at the number of women on boards and in senior management positions you know that fight still continues and it's funny because there's studies that show that businesses that have a high level of females in their senior management teams are actually more successful I think the, the, the other things that I'd say is that the world and, and the industry needs their unique um, gifts and talents. Don't try to be like the men in the industry. You, you do see things differently and you, you add significant value by bringing a different perspective. And I don't think that should be underestimated. I think, uh, see, I told you I had a lot to say. <laughs> I think the other thing is that to have, it's important to have your own opinions but I think sometimes you've got to also recognise that other people are entitled to their own opinions as well. And yours aren't always true and yours aren't always right. And that others are, are, are just as valid. The one last thing, oh, there's two last things, I think. Um, women really need to build up other women. Too often women cut each other down. And I, I think it's hard enough in a male-dominated industry for, for women to be successful so let's celebrate each other's successes. Let's create an environment where women can thrive and let's set the tone for the women coming behind us in the industry. And then the last thing, and it by no means the least, um, would be to find a mentor. Um, ask for feedback for those ahead of you and, and find out, find someone that you trust and respect because people are going to give you their opinion if you want it or not. But I think it's important to find someone that you do trust and respect and that learning never stops. Be curious, ask questions. But I guess at the end, you've got to trust yourself and know that you're capable of, of whatever you set your mind to. They're all like awesome points. And I think they're some great things that hopefully some people can take on board. And if we flip it to the other direction then, so not focusing on the person, but focusing more on a company or an industry, 
Like, how do you think that maybe those industries can then, I guess, make it the industry more attractive for women or promote it or try and get more women involved in the industry? Okay. I think by allowing them to contribute. So, so I think sometimes women feel like they're always starting from further back than men. So by, you know, if there's committees or if there's teams, you know, asking women to join, asking for their opinion, I think we've got to build the environment where people are comfortable to speak and we're comfortable, where people are comfortable to, to, I guess, even challenge the environment in which they're in. I think that's really important. So, and I guess mentoring and training and not underestimating people. Um, I, I think from a, a business perspective, yeah, you've got, to, you've got to give people a chance to prove themselves. And I guess this applies for both men and women, but people mm-hmm. that are, and especially women in this a lot of the times, like if what advice would you give to somebody that's trying to balance like parenting and their work-life balance? Because if someone's trying to get ahead in their career, but they're trying to be a great mom or dad, like how, how, what advice would you give to someone that's trying to balance that combination? So, look, it is something that I've faced personally. So, you know, I at times thought, well, if I want a career, I can't have kids because career women don't have kids. And that sometimes it's seen as a weakness if you've, if you've got a family for, for a female, whereas for males it's not. I think one of the things, and this might be somewhat controversial, but that balance doesn't exist, right? So sometimes you're going to be doing really well at your career. Sometimes that's going to actually have more of your focus than kids. Sometimes your kids are going to need you more and that's going to have more focus than your career. And I think it's a never-ending kind of pendulum where it's swinging from one side to the other. So there's no perfect balance, but it's it's a constant juggling act and it's something that at times you'll feel like you're failing both, but sometimes when you step back and you give yourself a bit of grace, you realise that you're actually not doing too badly at all. But I wonder how many people sort of hold themselves back just by what you said before about, oh, I'm not going to be successful if I have kids, which is just like, it's just a crazy comment, like in today's world. It is, but, but I think it's really true. And I know that for a, a long time, I did put off having kids because I thought it would be a weakness in terms of my career. And I think that I probably then overcommitted and, you know, decided I was coming back to work in three months because I had to prove that, the, you know, having kids did not make a, a difference to my career. And I think that's a shame because the other thing that career women do where they have kids is they actually show their kids that they can do whatever they want. They can show their kids that women can be successful, you can be a leader, and you can do both. Um, and I think that's really important for empowering girls to say you can do whatever you want, you can put your mind to it. Yeah, no, I think that's all true. And I, and I can't imagine like the struggle that some people will go through on the mental side where, yeah, they're, they're sort of put, they're put in a box by society sometimes. Mm-hmm. And the only way to get out that is by having your own passion and your own drive, unfortunately. Yeah, and I think constantly pushing the limits, right? So, you know, there's often this talk about the glass ceiling and things like that, and you're talking about, you know, women being boxed in. You can't expect others to do it for you. You've actually got to be constantly pushing. And there's ways that you can do that without, you know, dragging people down or stomping all over over other people. But 
you need to be your own champion and you need to be constantly pushing. And so with all these learnings that you've had in the last 20 years or so, like who do you think played a big influence from a mentor perspective? So look, I was really lucky in that um, I had some, some really good female mentors from early on. Um, so when I was at, at Brambles Equipment, there was a, a female, I think she was a financial controller or commercial manager, um, Therese Whittington. Um, and she was the only female in, in senior management there. She held her own. She was well-respected and she always gave me a chance. And I think, you know, I'm forever grateful for that because I think that actually showed me that a number of things that I've already spoken about. So you, you can do whatever you put your mind to and that women need to support other women and encourage other people as they're coming through. In terms of another strong woman mentor um, would probably be my mum. So my mum, Maris, has been in the, in the rental industry and lots of people would know her. Um, and one of the things that she's always been passionate about and that has certainly influenced me is customer service. So I think a lot of that passion and a lot of that focus in terms of how to treat customers and I guess just how to treat people generally has really rubbed off on me and had an influence I know there's people that she's mentored within base plan that you know credit where they're at today because of the chance that she gave them Um, and she's certainly had a, a significant influence in my career and I guess me personally as well no that's good and I guess you can claim to be second generation rental as well Exactly, exactly. And then let's see if my children are third. <laughs> <laughs> Both of them. Yeah, that's right. More females coming through. <laughs> All right. Well, if you were to give young Kate some advice, what would you say? I'd say don't underestimate yourself. So for too long, I did. And for too long, I kind of let other people dictate my path and, and perhaps allowed people to say no I think one of the things that I'm proud of is that I did keep pushing because like you mentioned before it could be so easy to give up and it could be so easy just to say all right well I'm just going to stay in in this box and I'm just going to do this role and I'm not going to try and improve um, and I'm not going to try and and mentor and lead and all those sorts of things the other thing that I'm still working on so like younger Kate yesterday needs to hear this that it's okay to say no so I think as a female, uh, I kind of touched on this before, that sometimes you feel like you have to say yes to everything. Um, sometimes you have, you feel like you have to prove yourself and, and give 200%, whereas, you know, males in the, in the business, in the industry, only need to, you know, give 80 to 100%. But you need to know that it's okay to say no and you don't need to do everything. And so why do you think that you weren't good enough before? I think there are a number of opportunities that where I went for roles within various organizations that I've been in and knew that I could do them and male counterparts were given them and they did them (laughs) and in some instances they failed in those roles and I'm not necessarily talking about baseline here but previous um, employers and I think having that happen multiple times you start to actually think, well, is it me? Like, am I like overconfident? Do I actually think I'm more than, than what other people think I am? Perhaps that's true. So then you start to think, okay, well, then I shouldn't be going for those roles. Like, and, and I think part of the, the issue is in a lot of those instances, I was never given any feedback 
as to why I was unsuccessful or why the other person was successful. And I think that's really important because there might have been cases where the other person had specific talents or specific skills that that the organisation needed. But I think if you're not giving people feedback, then they start to internalise it. So then I was starting to think that it was all about me and that I wasn't good enough for various things, which may not have been the case. And so do you think because of all that, you're somewhat overcompensating saying yes too much as well yeah I think so yeah and and I think it's I think it's a vicious circle and I think part of it's probably personality as well as being a female in a male-dominated industry and being a female in business regardless but I I think you've got to kind of sometimes get off the the wheel as in no it's okay to say no you can only do the best you can with what you've got at the time and then not to beat yourself up over it. I think that's the other thing that the females tend to do a lot of is they, they tend to put a lot of pressure on themselves. And then when things don't go perfectly or, or things like that, they, they tend to beat themselves up. Whereas men generally just kind of move on. Um, and, and I think that's, that's played a part too. Are you saying I just shake things off, Kate? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> You're like, yeah, she'll be right. Let's move on. <laughs> That's funny. All right. So talk to me about how you define success. Being on the Rental Journal podcast, Mark, it's, it's in the top 100 podcasts. So like, there you go. I've made it. <laughs> um, but in all seriousness, I think success is unique and personal. So what what one person defines as success, another person wouldn't. I think it's acting within your own values no matter what. I think, and I think that's something that's really important for me. I, I think you, it's, it's also a moving target. So, you know, there, there might be an end goal in sight, but you're always striving. If you think about an athlete, right, they, they strive to win their races you know, once they've won races, they don't stop, you know, they keep striving to improve their time for that continuous improvement. So, so that's, um, you know, it it is a moving target. And do you think that your perception of success has changed from 15 years ago to today? I think so. And I think a lot of the time when you're younger, success can be a particular thing. So it could be a particular car or a particular house or a particular job role. I think for me now, I place a lot of importance in terms of success on the impact that I can have on others as opposed to what I'm getting out of it. So being able to lead and support others, achieve their goals and improve is actually really important to me. And when I can talk to, to team members and say, hey, you know, I've really seen you improve and, you know, I really like the way you did that and hearing what that does for them. Yeah, I think that that's changed. I think sometimes when you're younger, success and and your achievements are all about you and I think sometimes that changes as you grow up Mm, that's awesome all right Kate well I really want to thank you for coming on the rental journal podcast thanks Mark please share follow the rental journal podcast and we'll see everyone in next week's episode